Good evening, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you once again for joining me for this fifth session of seven words of the last uh, words from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'd like to open up with a word of prayer and then we will begin with I am thirsty. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, uh, thankful for uh, the uh, viewing audience that uh, has joined me this evening. Lord, I pray that they are blessed. I pray, Lord, that they are able to glean something from this scripture that we will uh, read from in the Gospel of John. Lord, I, I pray that it readies us, Lord, in this Lenten season for what is coming, and that is the passion, the death, the uh the, the, the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, it's all coming. I, I pray that we just take it a day at a time and uh, take from these days leading up to Easter Sunday all that you would have uh, to offer to us. Heart, mind, spirit, body, and soul. Lord, we praise you, Jesus, and we thank you. In his name, amen. So folks, I'm going to ask, if you would, to please open up your scriptures and go to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, verses 28 and 29. Our fifth lesson this week is, I am thirsty. What, what familiar words those are, right? We, we've said it. Many a time, we have uh, our children, our grandchildren, whoever it may be, that, that is, that is a, a very familiar set of words, right? I am thirsty. We're going to be putting the Spirit on these words and seeing uh, that, that in the Scriptures uh, there is the spiritual thirst, right, that only Jesus can quench. So, let me... <coughs> Let me read now from verses 28 and 29 of the 19th chapter of John. It says this, After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of wine on a branch of his sup and held it, to his mouth. So, just a, a little uh, aside, a, a bit of a disclaimer. I'm, I'm just going to invite you to get uh, your pen and paper uh, if you have it handy. There's some really great context that just kind of brings uh, this this scripture together uh, this evening. So, some really great stuff that I want to that I want to highlight for you this evening that that I hope you will find. Uh, beneficial both biblically and, and spiritually. So let me uh, begin here. To know we are loved and valued, isn't that what all of us are most thirsty for in life? Pastor Rob writes. We know that children who receive no words or love, no physical touch, and little to no human action as infants are unable to develop and thrive cognitively physically and emotionally. To know love, to be loved, and to love others is our greatest need and purpose in life. 
That was the heart of Jesus' ministry from John 13, 34. And you can certainly refer to that text. Jesus' actions on the cross conveyed the deep love that he had for the world. He lived out in death the deep love of God that he shared with people in life. Wherever he went, crowds gathered from miles away to catch as much as they could of the warmth, love, faith, teaching, and healing that bubbled up and out of him. While many people imagine and preach Jesus as mostly a man of sorrows, very serious and judgmental, Pastor Rob writes, I can imagine him as mostly joyful, effervescent as he worked diligently to transform the sorrows of this world through his loving actions. Except on Good Friday. Although Jesus will come into his glory on this day, in John's Gospel, after he takes care of the needs of his mother and makes provisions for the future of his church, Jesus' suffering humanity is also on full display. Sometimes it's easy to forget as we imagine the full divinity of Jesus. In his changing of water into wine, feeding large crowds of people, healing countless sick, lame, and blind people, and raising the dead. But he was also fully human as well. Really and truly human. Mark and Matthew, those Gospels, clearly make this point in the words they record of Jesus speaking from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The writer of John's Gospel wants us to take note of Jesus' humanity at the cross as well. In fact, it is all the more powerfully resonant because John, above all of the other Gospels, emphasizes Jesus' divinity as the Word who was God and was with God in the very beginning. Okay, so let's talk about what it means to be fully human for Jesus. One reason John's Gospel records Jesus saying, I am thirsty, from the cross, is to make absolute certain we know that Jesus understands everything that we are experiencing physically. When you are hungry, thirsty, or heartbroken, whether you have a small touch of a stomach flu or stage 4 cancer, when you are your most joyful or in your deepest grief, here it is, Jesus fully understands you because he, too, was fully human. In life and in death on the cross, he underwent the full range of emotions and physical sensory experiences that you and I do as well. All of them. So, as you can bear your own crosses in life, Know that when you lift your heart and voice to Jesus, not only are you praying to the Divine One who was all-knowing, you are also praying to the human Jesus who understood and who understands everything that you are encountering because He has experienced it before you. And because you are His child, He experiences what? 
it with you. So therefore, we are not alone. And that is the good news. So a, a, bit, about, uh, a bit about what we are thirsty for. Okay. There, there are scriptures that, that point us there to uh, thirst, of, of course, human thirst. But there's, there's the other side of this that, that Jesus just kind of breaks open and there's this spiritual thirst. Okay, So what are we thirsty for? Well, God is offering Israel this abundant life. Jesus then, the Word made flesh, has come to do the same. The breath and Spirit of God are active in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. People in Jesus' day, as in the Old Testament days, and our own day, they're thirsty, right? Absolutely thirsty. We say it, we yearn for it, we crave it. They thirst for what? Okay. Not just Dr. Pepper, not just water, but they thirst on a much deeper level. They thirst for justice and righteousness to flow down like rivers, as the scriptures say. They are thirsty for a Messiah. They are thirsty for freedom from oppression. They are thirsty to be valued. They are thirsty to be wanted. They are thirsty for that which the leaders and politicians have not been able to satisfy. Right? Am I right? Okay, let me move here. Jesus clearly to us as people who have drunk from the well of our culture and found that it gives us only empty calories, does it not? We eat and drink and soon are hungry and thirsty again for more. Jesus calls to people who want more. And that, that, that's very important, okay? Let me repeat that again, okay? We, we, we take from the world's gospel and we take, but we're just empty. Empty calories, Pastor Rob says. But Jesus calls out to people who want more. I mean, we can back that up biblically. They want more. They yearn more. John Wesley. John Wesley called this kind of quenching, okay, this kind of work of the Holy Spirit, sanctification, okay, made holy. Being perfected in love as Christ's Spirit works within us, transforming us as we become more and more like. Christ. We can't just snap the fingers and that happens. We can't just have, you know, this this moment uh, one evening and then we're absolutely changed and transformed forever. It's a a daily process, right? Not only does the Spirit have to work on us, but we have to do that necessary work on ourselves. So the Holy Spirit's work is to make us what? thirsty for for what God wants in the world and to offer us the abundant life that only a life in relationship with God through Christ can satisfy. A life of love of God and a life of love for neighbor. Okay, a jar of sour wine. Let me go there for a minute. At Jesus cry, I am thirsty. Scripture notes, a jar full of sour wine was standing there. 
So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. One of those references is from John 19.29. A jar full of sour wine certainly didn't compare to the jars full of fine, abundant wine that Jesus provided for the host of the wedding party at the beginning of his ministry in the Gospel of John. The wine he offers is sweet. The wine offered to him, here we go, a contrast, the, group, uh, the, the wine offered to him, the cup he drinks in death, is what? Sour. Sour to the taste. And yet, John's Gospel shows us that Jesus is confident and in control of the matters surrounding even the villain itself, death. Other Gospels record that Jesus refuses the wine offered to him on the cross. John's Gospel is the only one to observe that Jesus receives this wine, and it is offered to him from a hyssop branch. Hyssop is a bushy branch, okay? Comes from a bush. Some argue that hyssop or the hyssop branch, probably couldn't support a sponge. While others say that there are varieties of hyssop, and that its leaves and branches would relatively be an, an absorbative uh, nature, have, have a spongy substance to it. In any event, the author of John is often concerned as much with symbolic meanings as with the particular details. So here, here we go. And the symbolism here is powerful. John tells us that Jesus was sent to his death at noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. The day and the time the Passover lambs are slaughtered. Okay, That, that comes from uh, the 19th chapter, verses 4 and 6. Look that up. It may not be obvious to modern-day Christians, but readers of John's Gospel would have immediately made the connection between the hyssop branch that delivers the sour wine to Jesus' lips and his crucifixion on the day of preparation for the Passover. You see, for the Jews in Jesus' day, and for Jesus and his family, God's mightiest act of salvation was Passover, which commemorates God's rescue of God's people from slavery in Egypt. On the final night of his captivity, God sends the last of the ten plagues to secure their deliverance from bondage. To Pharaoh. Death was to strike every firstborn in the land of Egypt, humans and animals alike. To save the Israelites from this disastrous plague, God instructs Moses to tell them to select lambs without blemish and slaughter them. Before they cooked the lambs to eat with their families, they were to dip a branch of hyssop into the blood of the lamb and mark the doorposts of their homes with it, and to stay inside. So John's connection of the hyssop to Jesus' crucifixion on the day of preparation is very intentional. It sends a clear message that Jesus is our Passover lamb, 
who saves us from death and delivers us from slavery. Not the type of physical bondage that the people experienced in Egypt, but from slavery to sin that leads to death. While Passover lambs were not sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins, but to celebrate deliverance from death and slavery, Jesus says of the cup that he lifts up at the Passover meal, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Matthew's Gospel expands Jesus' words to include that his blood is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Luke, that Gospel writer, describes Jesus' cup as Passover in this way. This cup is poured out for you in the new covenant in my blood. So those who gather at the cross on Good Friday hear Jesus' words of physical pain. Here it is. I am thirsty. Someone, perhaps one of his dear friends standing with him, acts to relieve his discomfort just as many of us have offered a drink to someone we knew who was dying. Those who have ears to hear also know that Jesus is spiritually thirsty because he has drunk the bitter cup of death. And the one who offers living water bubbling up to eternal life is parched, his bone dry. It has all been poured out for them and for you and I. So perhaps even more to the point of Jesus' last words, where are you being called to give of yourself? Where is Jesus calling you to take the form of a servant? Where is Jesus inviting you to share his mindset and pour yourself out on behalf of those who are thirsting for love? for hope, for physical needs that need to be addressed, for bonds of oppression to be broken, or simply to be, excuse me, simply to be treated as if their lives matter. So in pouring ourselves out for other, others who are thirsty, we find that our own thirst then is relieved. We find that we are able to access the living water that will never leave us thirsty again a stream that flows into eternal life. So this is a prayer from St. Francis of Assisi. Pastor Rob includes uh, this prayer. Let me read it for us. Lord, let us be instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I, that we, may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. So Jesus' words, I am thirsty, are meant to be consumed, church. Drunk in deeply, for they are filled with the sweetness of the meaning of his very death. 
And part of that meaning is the promise of fulfillment and triumph. As St. Francis recognized, it is in the giving of ourselves that we find the greatest gift of all. It is in the pouring of ourselves out on behalf of others that we find ourselves perpetually filled with the water that never leaves us thirsty again. So drink deeply. The world is thirsty, and we've been offered an abundance of living water through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let me offer a word of prayer for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O God, we come to you this evening thirsty. Thirsty for your word, thirsty for the Holy Spirit, thirsty for answers, for questions, for meaning in life that we cannot find anywhere else but through the work, the power of Jesus Christ and the great advocate, the Holy Spirit, that leads us each and every day. Lord, we put our faith in you. That's harder lived out and done than it is said. So, Lord, when we trip up, when we stumble, when we fall, when we sin, Lord, when we turn away, Lord, let us see your face in all that we do so that we can turn right back around and be one with you. For we are a reconciled people for what Jesus, our Lord and Savior, did on the cross. So guide us, Lord. Direct us. Heal us, Lord, if we need healing, Lord, but show us the way, the most righteous path that leads to you. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So church, uh, next Wednesday we will conclude our seven-word study with chapter 6, Into Your Hands. That will be a great uh, finale, so I'm looking uh, forward to that. In the meantime, you take care of yourself. Your preacher uh, is praying for you. I hope you are doing well. And as we all look uh, to what is coming, Palm Sunday, the Passion a Good Friday and Easter Sunday. May we keep our heart and our mind on you always, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, have a wonderful evening. Take care.